If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Well, thanks for listening to the LCR Media Podcast, where we get to know the pros. I'm your host, LCR Naylor Taliaferro. And on today's episode, we have a special episode, a special guest episode. Uh, I know I've probably said this in the past, but this is a unique episode uh, in the fact that my guest today we're, has the same kind of mindset, you know, wh- whether we're cutting grass or we are running any kind of business, doesn't matter what service we offer, you know, it's all about running a business, entrepreneur mindset. We, we connect in so many ways, there's a lot of similarities. So uh, right now I am joined uh, with John Heidel. He is the owner of Goochland Drive-In Theaters, one of only six in the state of Virginia. Now I'm saying this because within a hundred miles of where I live in the Richmond area, the next closest, uh, drive-in is in North Carolina. So uh, we're, we're going to dig into that a little bit more. Uh, but first, John, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, welcome to Goochland Drive-In, Naylor. Thank you. We are honored that you're here. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored to be here. Like, uh, By the way, my daughter says hi. Okay. <laughs> Tell her hello. All right. Tell her we can't wait to see her again. Yeah. We, she, she's, we're all big fans um, of, of the Goochland Drive-In I can't remember the first time we came. It has been a long time. How many years has it been? We opened our doors August 28th, 2009. 2009. So, so 2022. So yeah, we're we're cooking on some years here. I'm not good with the math. That's pushing 13, 13 years. 13 years. Yeah. There you go. Pushing 13 years. Wow. <clears throat> I wow. Was, I was younger then. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. As we all were. Yeah, so um, we're we're gonna kind of tease some folks here and and get them all into. Before we get into your backstory, I wanna I wanna throw some facts out here for you. So, like I said at the top of the episode here, only six. Did you know that that currently there's only there's six uh, uh, drive-ins I, in, in the state of Virginia. I thought it was less now, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if there's six, that's great. Yeah, I, I want to see as many drive-ins survive as possible. Yeah, well, that's <clears throat> that's a great mentality for a drive-in owner as well as for. Um, driveinmovie.com is where I've got got some information here. Are you familiar with driveinmovie.com? I am. All right. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, so the, the top state um, in the country has 30, and that's New York. And then PA is, is in a close, to, close second with 29 drive-in theaters. So with all that being said, uh, there used to be 4,000 drive-in theaters at its peak um, back in the late 1950s. And now there's only 330 drive-in theaters. So that's a huge, huge decline. Uh, there's many reasons they said for the number of drive-in, uh, for the decline um, of the number of drive-ins. Um, but one thing's for certain, they say, we must support remaining drive-ins to prevent their closure, to maintain this truly unique experience that is as American as homemade apple pie. 
<laughs> Couldn't have said it better yourself, right? I was about to say. Yeah. But one thing that did said that it, say I also agree with, and I feel like this might be part of your backstory here, is they said drive-in movie theaters still offer a unique social and family-friendly entertainment option that simply cannot be matched by today's indoor cinemas. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I'm a fan of cinema, indoors and drive-ins. But the drive-in niche as it is nowadays, a niche, mm. because in the old days, like you mentioned, over 4,000, typical city like Richmond had several. And Urban Sprawl, um, the advent of the VCR, HBO, a lot of times these owners who were making, you know, they were getting by, especially in the 1970s when it was really a downturn for drive-ins. Yeah. A developer could come in and say, hey, we're going to give you this lump sum of cash for your land to build this shopping center, these condos, yeah. et cetera. And a lot of them had to look at their bank accounts, and that's what uh, really precipitated the demise of drive-ins. Yeah, that's that's actually, I looked at some other sources back in 2020. Um, there was one source that said the decline of drive-ins was directly related to the movement away from Main Street America and towards the mall society. So where convenience, times, weather, and the idea of all-inclusive became the popular way to enjoy a night out, pushing away the classic night out at the drive-in. It's true. And uh, I saw that transition growing up, and we went to drive-ins all the way through my teen years, but there were less and less drive-ins to choose from when we could go to the multiplex because the multiplex had X number of movies to choose from. And, you know, you could stop off at Sears or, right. or wherever, you know, mom could do that before you went to the movies. Yeah. Um, so we lost that whole, there was a whole generation or two that really lost that experience of what a drive-in is really all about. Because it is more than just going and sitting in a seat and watching a movie and experience. paying for overpriced uh, <laughs> concessions, which we can get into that yes. too. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, um I can ramble and I can get ahead of myself with oh, passion fine. talking about drive-ins. Yeah. So I will defer to you and, and so you can pace me out as, as you see fit. Well, well, with everything that we just said, what, what made you get into driving? Like, what did you do before this? This, this is, and in my mind, you folks that are, that are listening, we're sitting here at the Goochland drive-in. Now there's two screens multiple buildings, like uh, all kinds of improvements over the years from when I had first come here, there was a playground, one building, one screen, and a much smaller parking area. And, you know, things have just like grown so beautifully. Like we're every year, we're so proud and happy to see all the growth and, and the excitement. And we tell as many people as we can locally about it. And like, Oh, I didn't know that was there. Oh. And you know, we just, and you got that attraction on the, finally, I read right. something about that. There is some sort of thing, debate going on about on getting the, in a, uh, highway on the highway sign, getting the attraction signs always been blank. And now finally we've got the Goochland drive-in on there. So yeah, that was a, that in itself is a story. Um, yeah, how we got that. But in terms of my background, um, got a degree in economics. Um, never really wanted to be in economics. I was always a more creative sort. Mm -hmm. um, but got out of college, got my first real job, um, sitting in a cubicle, <laughs> answering phones and dealing with that. That taught me real quick. Uh, in fact, the first week, 
I went home and I said, I do not want to spend the rest of my life doing this, but I will learn when I can and take the next step. Fast forward over the years, kind of made my way up, um, got into sales, got into management, got into operations, and learned more and more about how to work with customers, how to develop a business. But as we were about to have our first child, I had an epiphany that if I can do this for someone else, maybe I could do it for myself and really enjoy what I do. And that seems to be a running thing with a lot of entrepreneurs. Yes. And call it blind faith uh, or whatnot. It uh, it really started to motivate me and put wind in my sails. Spoke with my wife about it and what was going to be that bigger, better mousetrap, you know, that needs to be out there that someone would actually use. So the I came up with an idea and it was called the system group. And that was going to be the company, so to speak, the umbrella company in my mind. You right. Know, scribbling this down on a note, piece of notebook paper at 11 o'clock at night. That's how all the best ideas happen. <laughs> right. So system and any business that I came up with had to follow the system. The system is save yourself time, energy, money. So whatever that is, that had to appeal to customers. Whatever business, it had to save them time, energy, and money. And some would say save your sanity, time, energy, and money. Uh, the first business I got into was a dry cleaning uh, delivery pickup service. Uh, we were pregnant with our first, and we noticed that, or I noticed because I was still using the dry cleaner fairly often back then, suit and tie and whatnot. And I noticed that, you know, parents were coming in with their car seat in one arm and their laundry in the other. And it was such a hassle for them. So I yeah. thought, well, what about pickup and delivery? Make it easy. Yeah. And it was a good little business. Um, did it for about four and a half years. Uh, but use a dry cleaner because you have to, not because you want to. Right. And it's a very subjective business. As good as we were. You know, it was hard to please everybody all of the time, I noticed. Uh, we had great customers, and we were very fortunate with that. Yeah. But it brought me no joy. And I wanted a business that brought whimsy and some joy to people. And you know what? If you didn't like it one week, hey, next week, something different. Right. What would that be? Yeah. We enjoyed going to the movies. We would try to go to the multiplex with our now two kids. And what happens there? One of us ends up walking out 15 minutes into the movie and goes to sit in the lobby or the car because the smaller one just couldn't sit still and was yeah. crying. So I'm like, hey, let's try a drive-in. But there really weren't any around. But let's try going to a drive-in. Like, yeah, let's, let's try going let's to take the kids to a drive-in. To yeah, let's go to the drive-in. Yeah. We can hang out in the back seat and yeah. we'll relax. And, right. Uh, but there really weren't any nearby. Yeah. And I just had this. And, and this is in this area, right? You've, you've yep. been born and raised in Virginia? Uh, no. I'm originally from Mississippi. Ah. So uh, Virginia is my, I guess, second home state. But you were you were in Virginia at the time that we you were, were looking we were for in, drive-ins, and there wasn't that many. Yeah. It was already on the decline. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, 2005. Okay. So 2005, 2006. So we, you know, I just have this idea, again, one of these late-night kind of scribbling down ideas. And... Um, but there was no resources to go to as far as how do you build a drive-in? Who do you talk to? Where do you get every the, the movies, the, the food? How do you build a screen? 
those no drive-ins 101 class in yeah and so that took quite a bit of time to pull together the info um i can imagine what what what, what was one of the things what did you do how did you like entrepreneur minds want to know like how did you tackle that well the first thing is uh you reach out to those that know who have maybe walked in that path before so like other drive-in whatever drive-in, drive-in theaters were around yeah. <laughs> right so you reach out and you don't get any return calls yeah and i tried this for several months and finally one night around 11 o'clock at night i got a call from a strange number out of state and I answered it, thought it was the wrong number, but it was a drive-in owner. Wow. And he said, look, I have had your message here for a while. I just wanted to call you back. And I called you at this hour because that's when I'm working and wanted to see if you were really still, you know, serious about this. Yeah. And we talked for probably two and a half hours until the uh, batteries on my phone wore down. Wow. And it was a very insightful conversation. Again, this was just one drive-in owner's perspective. Right. As I learned later, everyone's got their own take on it. Right. As you can probably know in your business. Yeah. So, uh, but that was one source of information. So I, over time, I was able to talk to a few other guys, um, tried to find some old books, anything I could find about drive-ins. Most of it was just pictures and history about drive-ins and the kitschy sort of side of drive-ins. Uh, so at that point, I had a pretty good basis of the ins and outs of a drive-in, but we're in the 21st century now. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, there's no companies that make driving speakers anymore. Mm. Oh, the yeah, the holes. That's right. So there were some challenges we had. Um, what about land? Where are you going to put this thing? Yeah. Well, zoning's one issue. I was not a developer. I had no experience with zoning. Uh, I did go to my local um, uh, administration office in the county and said, hey, where do I go? Who do I talk to about starting a business? And they routed me down the hall to one office. And I said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And they go, oh, you want to talk to this guy? And they routed me down this other end of the hall. And they chuckled and said, oh, you want to go back to this guy? And basically, it was the, it was the epitome of a runaround. Uh, so that was my first uh, experience with no one has taken me serious about building a drive-in in the 21st century. Mm. Uh, in terms of finding land, uh, no broker would return your call, land brokers, realtors, no one w- would return your call. I would imagine no one was building drive-ins. Any drive-ins that existed were already have been there forever. You Pretty know, much. That was it. It, it. Any drive-ins that are, you know, reopened, they were basically they were reopening, right. right. It wasn't from scratch, which is, right. I thought this was a reopen, just not knowing. I thought you had just taken over something that had just, that had just fallen by the wayside and you just made it, br- br- you know, breathe new life into it. But you started from scratch. Right. <laughs> it, uh, <clears throat> it was the biggest challenge in my life. Wow. And, um, you know, as any entrepreneur will tell you, you know, these challenges, these hurdles, uh, a lot of times there's no answers. There's no simple way. Uh, not all of us are made of money and have massive trust funds or anything like that where we can delve into it and kind of pad ourselves as we put this thing together. Right. So you have to be creative. A lot of blood, sweat and tears. Um, now not to say we didn't put our life savings into this, right. Um, because we did. Right. Um, but you really have to believe in what you do before, you know, would you be a customer? You know, that's the first question I'll, I'll tell any, um, budding entrepreneur or want to be entrepreneur. Um, would you be a customer of this? 
And then I would go and I would ask other people, tell them your idea that people you can trust, not just people that are going to say, oh, that's a great idea. No matter what you say, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then, of course, on the flip side of that, more often than not, you'll have the naysayers, well-meaning or not, (laughs) say, you know. Right. They failed for a reason. Driving's failed for a reason. Right. Why would you do it? Right. Um, But my little family, we would have been a customer, you know. I could see a lot of other customers, just as I did with the drive-in, these young families trying to take their dry cleaning clothes in. They love the drive-in, the convenience of the pickup delivery service. Mm-hmm. Would there be a modern family that would appreciate the family-friendly nature of going to the movies again, where kiddos can be in their pajamas and pass out in the back seat of the yeah. car? Mom and dad could enjoy the second feature if they wanted to. <laughs> um, the other component of it was... It's got to be affordable. What's a hurdle that most people avoid movies these days? Yeah. You want to pay $7 for a soda. Yeah. Um, you know, 8 $9 for a popcorn. Um, just the ticket price alone is bad enough, you know? Ticket price alone. You just better be full when you get in there so you're not <laughs> looking for some snacks. And that's it because you're going to walk out, you know. I don't know how, you know, before the Gooch on driving, I don't know how teenagers, if they, I don't know if they still date anymore or not, but... <laughs> If they do, how do they drop $80, $90 yeah. to go out to a movie. movie? Toro's brand new battery-powered Revolution Series products are changing the lawn care industry. With all-day runtime from the innovative Hypercell battery system, you can expect to power through your entire day every day. Head to revolution.toro.com to see how Toro is transforming the game with the latest equipment innovations. Or click the link tree in the episode description to get you there fast. Hey guys, the Equip Expo, formerly known as the GIE Plus Expo, will be here before you know it, October 18th through the 21st. It's a great time. I go every year. I've been going for many, many years. It's worth it so in so many ways. All of the outdoor demo areas plus the indoor showroom. Talk to all of the all of your favorite manufacturers and uh, meet new ones, find new ones, and all the networking opportunities. A lot of great events, great food, great times, great educational opportunities as well there. So go ahead and check it out. If you don't know what it is, you can click the link in the episode description there and you can check out all about it as well as register Uh, you can use my code lcr to save 50 percent off at any time but if you register before september 9th you get the early bird discount which means with the 50 percent off it'll only be ten dollars per person if you use code lcr again that link is in the episode description thanks guys hope to see you there Hey guys, it's Marty. Let me take a moment and tell you about the Ramp Rack. This is a pickup insert that eliminates the need to pull a trailer just to haul your equipment. It easily installs on any 1,500 to 3,500 pickup long or short bed, extending the usable space of your bed by two feet. The Ramp Rack's most popular model for landscapers is the PU200. It has rear window protection and a removable shelf for push mowers and gas cans. You're going to love this. The ramp and dovetail have a weight capacity of 2,000 pounds. Made in Maryland, it comes powder-coated and, of course, built to last for years. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Head over to therampwrack.com and, of course, save 10% with the promo code LCR. That's therampwrack.com and, of course, we'll throw the link in the show notes. LCR not only uses the ramp rack, but he gives it his highest endorsement. How do they drop $80, $90 yeah. to go out to a movie? movie? 
So go get a steak dinner for that, you know, right, you know <laughs> yeah, hit Golden Corral up and then yeah, go. Right? There you go. But in all fairness, drive-ins like in, indoor theaters, like drive-ins, you survive off of your concessions, and that's true for a lot of venues. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be. That's why they price everything the way they do. They've got a captive audience. So here you go, guys. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy the goobers and snow caps that you know, yeah. five dollars a pack or whatever. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't, I try not to begrudge them because I want to see cinema survive, especially in the right. last few years. Right. Um, where do we fall in with that? Well, we keep our prices as low as we can. We operate on thin margins for a reason. It was part of the mission uh, to be affordable, family friendly, wholesome, that sort of thing. Um. I um, but you have to make a profit. Yeah, you have of course, to, of course. And one of the old timers I talked to, he said, "Hey, are you looking to get rich?" And I said, "Well, that would be wonderful." You know, <laughs> way way back when, and we're doing the due diligence, and uh, he says, "You're looking in the wrong business, bud." He says, "If you do it right, you take care of your customers, uh, you will make a good living. Uh, there will be ups and downs, blah blah blah." And but that was not just applicable to. A drive-in, that could be applicable to a lot of different businesses. Right. There are ups and downs. You do have to take care of your customers. Uh, one thing we've done, you know, we took the old-fashioned flavor of it, and we stuck it in the 21st century, but we also tried to modernize where we could. Mm-hmm. A lot of drive-ins you go to, um, they were built 70 years ago. They've and, they got, just, and they just left it that way. And that's it. Yeah. And you've got one toilet for the men, and you've got one toilet for the women, and you've got one or two checkout lines. And on busy nights, they will have super long lines out the snack bar through the intermission. Folks have been doing that way for decades in those communities, and they expect it. But when we built the new one, we knew folks wouldn't. So we wanted to have multiple lines, multiple toilets, you know, more, for, more toilets for the women. There are, these are just a few examples. Yeah. But, um, and as soon as you think you have every idea, you know, covered, every I dotted, every T crossed, you learn as you get into it that you really didn't have every um, I dotted and T crossed. Right. Well, I see you've got the, uh, was this year, this year the kiosks out there, the self-service for, for the, the concessions where you, 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 you put in your order, like, you know, you order everything and you pay for it. And then all you got to do is come up here and give them your ticket and they give you your food. I think that's genius. Good job. Well, thank you. <laughs> we, we, all, we all love that because you didn't have that last year when everything started opening back up, right? We didn't. Yeah. It's been an idea for a number of years, um, but no drive-in that we knew of had actually instituted it, installed these things. Um, we took a gamble on it. Again, it was one of those you know, late-night things. We, you know, one thing we've always been blessed with is a, a really hard-working staff, you know, and you hustle. Yeah. Uh, but everyone wants to know why the lines get so long at drive-in theaters. Well, because everybody's there for the same movie. Right. You can have the same amount of people show up at an indoor, and they're going to be there for 10 different screens. Here, we are. everybody's all for the same movie. So they're all kind of shoveling in you know, into those lines. And a lot of folks, unfamiliar with the drive-in mentality, they will just mosey up to the snack bar 10 minutes before the movie like they do at an indoor. Yeah. And it's it. a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, I, I do not like seeing long lines. I think that takes the, the fun out of the place. We want folks to be back with their families, you know, enjoying yeah. this time, whatever they're doing. So uh, the kiosk was a big uh, improvement. 
has been 100% well-received, um, more so than we thought, and has really uh, managed to speed up the whole transaction process. Yeah, so I we, agree. So thank you for the compliments on that. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But that was just one thing that you have to do when you have a business. You've, that's one example this year we did. You've always got to reinvest in your business. You've always got to be humble enough to you know, take some criticism. Um, some of it may be well-founded. Some right? of it may be just naysayers. And right. Some of it might actually be like, you know what? They got a point. Right. You got to be, you got to be humble enough to do that in a different perspective. Yeah. Um, my, my son who used to love your playground, he still does, but he's a little older now, but <laughs> he used to love the playground. Uh, he's, he noticed some, some new additions you have to the playground here that, um, the half sphere thing out there. And, uh, I think that might be the only thing that that's added to it, but he, he, he pointed that out last yeah, couple we, years. We threw up a couple of things, you know, we, the playground, the drive-in playground, the ones that have had playgrounds, uh, it was always located at the base of the screen. because oh, all the way down there. Right. That's okay. dead space. Yeah. So you couldn't put cars there, but they would plant grass or drop mulch and <laughs> throw up yeah. a little, you know, makeshift playground. Right. And I always thought the playground was an integral part of a drive-in, but way down there is way too far. Yeah. So... Uh, we put our playground right in front of the snack bar and between the parking lot so that as folks are in line for the snack bar. Their kids could be playing. They right. could see their kids. That's exactly what we did with our son. Yeah, yeah. just go play while we're waiting in line. So yeah. it didn't even really seem to be that big of a deal because we were watching our son while we were shuffling through the line and stuff. So. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yet we gave up some car, you know, some viewing spaces because of that. But we thought, you know, as it worked for you guys watching over your kids while you're about to order something, mm -hmm. it would work out a lot better. Yeah. So, you know, your viewing spaces, that's your money right there. You've got it. You know, the more viewing spaces at a drive in, the better it equates to seats at an indoor theater. But we thought that was a pretty good sacrifice to make and it's worked yeah. out pretty good. So for just for this main screen section here, how many, how many spaces do you have? And then do you see it? You know, what's the kind of uh, capacity, 90%, 100%, you know, on an, on an average? I know sometimes it depends on the movies sure. and the weather, but you know, on average. It's a lot of factors, but I can tell you our record here was, I think, 416 cars we put 416 in. 416 cars. Yeah, that was a, that was, that was a, a wild night. I can wow. tell you, it was, uh, we were hustling that whole night. What movie was it? Do you I remember? I believe it was uh, Superman and one of the newer Supermans. Like, and, like the Superman, Batman type thing? or, or Yeah, and like the last, you yeah. know, whoever. I think this was about many. I think, was it Despicable Me and one of the Superman or Despicable Me yeah. too? And one of the but it was and a it was great just, combo. On it was, or just, oh, it was like the, the ultimate storm, you know, so yeah. to speak, perfect storm. And, you know, this is when we did first come, first serve. And folks could just show up, pay at the ticket booth. And they kept coming and kept coming. And the staff was like, we got them. We can handle this. Yeah. And we did. Um, but they kept coming. <laughs> and uh, so when you've got a line of cars at that point in the, in when I consider in the, the street, yeah, down <laughs> yeah, the down highway the exit, that's, wow. happened, that's happened before. Wow. So that's uh that's a whole nother story there. But uh, when you have to go in and you've said, all right, we've, we can fit, you know, 10 more cars in and you walk out there. And those last 10 cars, they are loving you. But as soon as you should close that gate yeah. and you have to say no more room here at the end, yeah, um, 
those folks aren't happy with you. Is that one of the reasons why you uh, went to um, online ticket sales? Yep. Uh, 20, yeah, it was a, yeah, one of the main reasons. Yeah. Um, when, when the whole COVID thing hit, um, we knew because we'd seen it happen across the country, drive-ins were really filling a void for folks where they felt safe to come. Yeah. It's outdoors. outside. Yeah. Right. You can just be in your car if you want to and not right. interact with anybody. Right. And so we delayed, we, we were going to open as normal, but we're, there was, it was still very early on in the whole pandemic. So people were a little apprehensive, right. at least some were. Right. So we, we tapped the brakes. We held off a few weeks. We instituted online ticketing, pre-purchase, touchless now at the ticket booth. Um, and that served two, two reasons. Number one, folks felt safer with that, but it also allowed us to, hey, pre-sale tickets. So people aren't driving an hour and then they're stuck and right. backed up on the highway and they can't get, get, out, get it, here. It, yeah. it totally eliminated that disappointment because we're not in the business of disappointment. We're in the business of unplugging from the world. You know, I mentioned earlier, it's it's not just about the movies, it's the experience. It really is. And I say this, and I try to be as sincere when I say this without sounding corny or over and overly important, but it's important to me that people can unplug because the world is stressful any given year, any given day. When folks come out here, we want them to unplug from that. We do not have Wi-Fi for a reason. We, do. <laughs> we want people to unplug. We want them to... Um, have a great time with their family and friends. We don't want them to have to spend a lot of money. Um, we want them to come back and we want them to tell someone, Hey, this was a great place. We get the, you know, the bucket list types. Uh, we get the folks, um, that are lower income. We get the folks driving the latest Mercedes. The drive in is for everybody. Right. And, it's not fancy, um, but it's reliable, and you've got to keep a business consistent. Customers want consistency. When they come back, they know that this is what it's going to be. Yeah, the movie will change, right? Uh, but, hey, I know I'm going to get good service. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. If you don't like the movie, it's okay. We're going to have a different line next week. <laughs> right, you know? and you still have a good experience right. with everything else, right? So, you know, I think with anybody that's, that has a business, Mm-hmm your customers, anybody's customers, especially if it's a service type business. Cause I think that's our product, you know, is, is really a service. It, um, you've got to be consistent on it. Can you improve it? Always. There's always room for improvement. Sometimes it's something small, a customer may not notice, but you know, it's there and it's going to lead to a better, you know, uh, outcome. Right. Um, so sometimes some of the, every year we're doing some sort of improvements and customers m may not notice half of them. And there's no reason to bring them up. But if, if their experience is solid and improves, that's great. Yeah. Now, the kiosk, that's pretty visible. You notice that. You know, if you right. throw a geometric dome out in the middle of the playground, <laughs> you notice that stuff. Right. Um, but all the little things here and there that, that, that add up, that it, it becomes a collective thing. You right. Know, that that you, you, you just realize that you just had a better experience or a good experience if it was your first time. And, you know, and you're like, you do want to come back, like you said. So it's. Yeah, not not every single change has to be as noticeable, right? Like you're saying, as long as there's some some sort of progress, you, you say a lot of a lot of common things that 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 we talk about. A lot of the folks that I've talked to on on the podcast, very similar mentality. Like when you're building a business and serving people, like it's very similar mentality. Otherwise, you're just going to fail if you if you if you 
don't do any of those things. You're, you know? so, you're so right. And I found that most entrepreneurs, and I can, and I know this about you too, I can tell this, that you, you put your heart into it, you know, and it's a personal thing. Yes, it's business, but hey, this is, this is your baby or whatever you want to call it. So um, you want people to really enjoy it. You want people to, wow, that was a, he does a great job. I'm going to have him back and I want to tell my neighbor down the street, you know, how well yeah. he does. Um, you know, that's critical. And so in this day and age of, um, you know, reviews, online reviews, they are a double-edged sword. Yeah. And for every, you know, every 10 great ones, and thankfully we get those, if there's one that's not five-star, you know, I want to know, Dad Gummit, why not? Why right. didn't we get that? Right. What do we do? Please right. tell us. It was a great night. We had no complaints. <laughs> yeah. You know, why, why are we just hearing this now? Yeah. So I feel like sometimes when you get those, um, if they're warranted, uh, then I want to make it right. Um, yes, there's service after the sale at the drive-in. You know, that's my mentality, at least, if that happens. But if they're scathing reviews, uh, we always say multiple times through the night, please let us know something's not up to par. Let us know. I mean, this is popcorn and movies. We can make it right, right. you know? <laughs> right. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And uh, if we don't hear anything, um, then we, we assume everybody was great. Yeah. Um, one thing I do is I try to walk around um, and wave to everybody or talk to as many yeah. people as I can because I want to know. I want the customer. Number one, I enjoy it. But number two, I want people to know that, hey, there's someone out here, you know, looking out for you. Yeah. And it's not just me, the, the whole staff. But, um, but how many of those people think that you're the owner or even know you're the owner? That's the thing. Like, we didn't even know. We just thought you were, you know, one of the one of the team. Well, you are technically, but I mean, we thought you were, you know, we didn't know you were the owner going around like helping tying people's hatches down, (laughs) emptying the garbages every night. Like, like you're just all over, man. It's your your baby, right? Well, you're an (laughs) an entrepreneur means that you, uh, you know, the biggest part of your wardrobe is all the hats that you wear, right? So uh, I've done it all, and I will continue to do it all. I've got a great staff, so I don't have to be everywhere at once. But, um, and I don't consider it to be micromanaging to be out there talking to customers. And hey, if I see a trash can that's start about to overflow, I'm going to jump in. If everyone else is busy, I'm going to jump in. I'm not above that. I found, and you've known people that have started businesses and they maybe didn't work out too well. Um, they wanted to maintain that title of owner slash president. And this is where I, this is where I'm at. Right. Everything else is. And they're just going to be on the nice cozy couches in the other right. room and just hang out there and just look at everything and make sure it's running smoothly and never really put their hands in anything. You can't do that, especially if you're a small business. I just don't see how you can survive. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it not only builds goodwill with the customers, but your staff, you know, it's a lead by example kind of thing. And when we hire folks, we let them know, hey, we all wear a bunch of hats here and you will see me doing almost everything too. Um if I'm doing more work than a, than employee, then there's, we have to have a conversation <laughs> right. with that employee. Right. But, of course. Um, but I think all entrepreneurs, um, you gotta be a hustler. You gotta be a hustler. Yeah. Speaking of staffing, let's, let's uh, dig into that a little bit. Cause that's, that is a hundred percent something from, from me being 
in uh, management my entire life, basically. Mm-hmm. I was in retail management. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about this a little bit off air, but I didn't tell you how long, over 15 years. So right out of college, I just started you know, working in retail just mm-hmm. like as a part-time job and quickly became a full-time supervisor mm-hmm. and then went to a system manager. And out of college, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just keep doing this. It was nothing that I went to college for, but right. I'm like, you know, I, I seem to have a knack for you know, leadership and these kind of things that I just, it just was like a natural thing for me. But I, you know, I was just identified by my peers and mentors to, to be in those roles. And I was always a good people person and patient and had good memory with key things and how to do things and work Mm -hmm. with people, train them, customer service, all that just always worked well. I didn't like the hours of retail (laughs) and some of the crazy stuff that's involved with that, but the, the management aspect that I really enjoyed that. So my point is fast forwarding to, to now, and through all that and having my own business and, and having my own staffing issues, whether it just be a handful of employees versus hundreds of employees mm-hmm. I used to manage, I know a whole lot of about staffing and have had a lot of experience, good, bad, and indifferent. And when I come here all the time, it's a great experience with your staff. Like everyone, you know, I mean, I'm sure there might be someone here and there that might be the quote unquote weak, weakest link or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to, ha- you know, there's always going to be someone there, but it doesn't seem like it affects the whole team. It doesn't, you wouldn't even, us as customers wouldn't even notice is what I mean, unless we directly interacted with that person by mistake somehow. And they were just really having that bad day and you had to have that talk with them. I'm I'm sure that that happens to everyone, but overall it just always seems like all of your staff is just super happy. They're firing on all cylinders. My daughter used to say that just, this seems like such a family atmosphere. Like I I would love to just work here just to be a part of the family. Like, you know, you seem like everyone's dad, you know, <laughs> like you're just out That's there right. getting it done. You like know, you said that oh, that makes me feel really good. Number one. And you, I, you know, you got to keep the relationship with your employees professional, but you work a lot of hours. You, as you know, you work in a lot of sometimes challenging situations. So you do form that bond with them and, um, I've been fortunate um, to have – we don't have a lot of turnaround here, mm. turnover rather. Right. Uh, they will start with us when they're 16, and most of them will stay with us through college. And then maybe a year or two after college, if we're lucky, if they want wow. a side gig or whatever yeah. their real job is. Yeah. But um, – and then when they kind of matriculate through, you know, you've got a, a a sibling coming through. And, you know, most of the time, you know, these kids, are they're all raised the same, and hopefully they'll have the same kind of work ethic. Not always, but most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, How many do you have on staff right now? Right now, we are a little bit lower than in years past. Okay. Well, what, what's your max? So, I mean, we've had 23, 24 on staff before. Uh, are they all working on one on, on any given night or weekend? Do you need them all hands on deck usually? We have, yeah, typically on the busy, the really busy nights, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been a, a shift with the whole uh, labor market here the last <laughs> year and a half, two years, right? Yes, uh, there has. I mean, <laughs> I... Uh, I I was hearing about it and I really didn't see it for myself until last fall. That's when it was really bad. That's all of us got hit hard. That's exactly the time. Yeah. It was really bad. We used to have a two page waiting list of folks that wanted to work here. Well, I have to say, I really enjoyed listening to to John's story and just sitting there talking to him. I felt like we could have talked for hours. Uh, technically, we did between what we actually recorded and what we talked about before and after, just really getting to know each other even more and 
just, you know, him asking me a lot of questions about things that I'm doing and which wasn't really relevant to the podcast episode as much. And just, just really having a good time talking about family and life and entrepreneurship and relationships that we've made and what the future has in store and all that. So, um, but we, we could have gone on forever guys. Uh, I just really wanted to get as much content of his story as possible, but we did get, you know, well over an hour worth of content. So I decided to split it up into two episodes just because I want to respect your time. And I know from all of the, my peers and mentors that I've talked to and tons of listeners, a good average listening time is between 30 and 45 minutes. I'd say 45 minutes is probably the, the best average time because, you know, you can, it's enough time for you to really get into the episode uh, versus if it's a little bit too short, you're just getting into it and the episode ends. And if it's a little bit too long, you're, you you kind of have to continue it on to multiple days, maybe, or throughout the day. And a lot of times you just want to kind of get your, get your, your, your mental fix out the way first thing in the morning or whatever it is. And, and just and just uh, bang that out. So we found forty five minutes, you know, somewhere around there is is a good time. So when 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 the episodes go well over an hour, I try to split those in half. Is is my point. So uh, a lot of great content for you guys. Um, hopefully, you are seeing the value. Just just listening to a you know, John's like a a, a textbook entrepreneur. Like I mean, he he just created this this from scratch. I mean, he didn't come up with the idea, but he he created the whole model and whole business. And he, you know, his his drive-in theater family experience. He created it all from from scratch with a lot of you know a lot of research and help and some tips and advice from other folks and so on and and his his marketing mindset and his business background and you know whatever he got from his college education all that all that contributed to you know to to where he's at now um and he's just a great guy and uh, i look forward to our 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 ongoing friendship and and see where it takes us um but so with all that being said tune in uh, on thursday for the continuation and conclusion of this epic conversation that i had with john um about entrepreneur uh, about entrepreneurship um and entrepreneurism i guess what i was trying to say overall so thanks guys uh thank you to the toro company for sponsoring the lcr media podcast and until thursday this is the lawn care rookie signing off This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.